Welcome into another edition of the Checkerboard Chat. I am your co-host Ryan Shumpert, joined as always by Ryan Cruz. A lot to talk about here in the Tennessee sports world with Tennessee's basketball team splitting a one-in-one week, dropping one at South Carolina. They should have had 63-61 before returning home last night to take on Vanderbilt and squeaking by 65-61 in a game they didn't play very well in. The Lady Vols went 0-2 on the week as their losing skid goes to four games. And Tennessee baseball team opened up its season last weekend, and they're four games in and off to a nice, strong 4-0 start before things start to get a little bit serious this week when they head to Texas. But we'll open up the show talking about men's basketball. And Ryan, is Tennessee is trying to get to that 18-win mark to kind of give itself a fighting chance in the SEC tournament. And it needed out one against South Carolina Saturday, a game they led for... 23 minutes, sink trailed for only four, but just in the end, let it slip away. Talk about what went wrong for Tennessee. You know, they, they just didn't, especially in the Vandy game, uh, you know, Coach Barnes talked about they didn't respect the game of basketball. That's what he said. Uh, they just kind of played very sloppily, especially there towards the end. It, it just wasn't a great week uh, in terms of execution. Uh, you know, Josiah Jordan James was out for the South Carolina game, uh, only played five minutes uh, in this game. Uh, so that's huge, you know, big contributor there. All around, just, you know, Fulkerson played not, he kind of, bit of regression from his stretch of great games there, but still pretty good. Uh, Pons, another slight regression, but still serviceable. Uh, you know, Bounds slowly coming back there, but, you know, I think all around they just got to do better, you know, with execution. Yeah, Fulkerson was kind of a, a mixed bag because, I mean, you look at the numbers and he had two solid performances, 29, 25 points, nine rebounds against South Carolina, career high. And then last night against Vanderbilt, he played he played strong in the second half, picking up 17 points and, and seven rebounds. But in the South Carolina game, missed five free throws, turned the ball over six times. You know, and that was kind of the theme in the South Carolina game. Tennessee shot very poorly at the free throw line, just 17 to 28 in that one, turned the ball over 20 times. And as many as much good things as Fulkerson did, and you don't really want to rag on a kid too much in the game. He scored 25 points. It was those little things that really, really hurt Tennessee. And and then again last night against Vanderbilt, he missed that bunny to open the game. I don't think he scored in the first half. And you know Barnes said he was he was upset with how Fulkerson and Pons played. And you know Fulkerson finally finally kind of got it going there in the second half, right at around the 10 minute mark. He went on scored 10 straight points for Tennessee. Scored 14 points in about a six minute stretch on his way to scoring a team high of 17 points but he still wasn't one of his more consistent performances of the year and I think that was something that was disappointing for Barnes. The bench production you know you get Josiah James back you can kind of move Jalen Johnson off and or back to the bench that gives you a little bit more depth and it does seem like they're starting to get good some solid bench play from it from their guards and Jalen Johnson and Devontae Gaines but after kind of a flash from Olivier Camelot against Arkansas he's started to kind of go back to what he has been for most of the season Euros Plasic is struggling just how what how much is that hurting this team not having anyone behind Fulkerson or or Pons that can really give them consistent play in the front court I mean, definitely, you know, Barnes talks about uh, Fulkerson's best when he's at around 30 minutes a game and when he doesn't have anyone to back him up. That you know, puts out Fulkerson longer than what, he, when, what he's supposed to be out there, which causes him to get fatigued and create yeah. mistakes. You know, as the turnovers show in the South Carolina game, 
and that's going to get you killed. Uh, so I think it just it's a cascading effect of, of you know of, of all that effects there. Yeah, and you know it's at this point in the season you look at the way this team's developed, you look at how the roster's changed, and you know they're starting to find a little bit of an offensive identity, and it's it's really through Fulkerson and Pons. Those guys have to score for ten- Tennessee to be real good on offense. Scovey can do some things, Bowden can do some things, but they don't need to be Tennessee's number one options. And I think you saw that last night with 10 minutes left in the game. Fulkerson and Pons had eight points combined, and Tennessee was losing to a bad Vanderbilt team and was playing very, very poorly on the offensive end. And, you know, Barnes' comments at halftime about them, the passing, just disrespecting the game, and the offensive performance was pathetic. And then you see down the stretch, Fulkerson starts scoring. Pons, I think, had a dunk in there, too. I mean, that's how Tennessee's offense is going to have to be. They're going to have to play inside out. As those guys go, the offense is going to go. You know, Viscobi can do some good things, and Bowden is starting to play better. Played well last night, hit two threes, scored 17 points. But those guys down low, especially Fulkerson, he's the more consistent scorer, are really going to have to lead the way for this team, I think. Looking at the last five games, you know, since the schedules came out and back in the fall, you looked at the last five games and you said, that's the gauntlet. That's the gauntlet. How can they survive at Kentucky, Auburn twice, Florida at home, at Arkansas? Tennessee needs to find a way to win essentially three of those games to give itself a chance to make the NCAA tournament. They're favored. You know, look at the advanced analytics. They're projected to win the game at home against Florida by about, I think it's about 65% win probability and then about 52% win probability in the home game against Auburn. So, obviously, none of those games are givens. Neither of those games are givens for Tennessee. But let's assume they win those two. Where do they get that third win? At Arkansas, at Auburn, or at Kentucky? What, where do you think is the best chance for Tennessee to get that win? I think definitely the best chance is uh, Arkansas. Uh, because, you know, as the ball showed when they played here, those two teams match up well. Tennessee's the better team. Uh, and I think, yes, they have a great home, field, home court advantage. But Tennessee, if they can control the mistakes – they can cut down those on the home court advantage. You know, play their game. Don't get wrapped up in the the environment you're in. Uh, so I think that's definitely because I think Kentucky uh, is too good. Uh, yeah, to win or up, that's going to be it. It's a daunting, a daunting it, task. It, it, it's a it's definitely a daunting task. You know, they they had it close here with Kentucky, but you know, it's just Kentucky in in. Overwhelmed them, uh, and you know, also it looked like Kentucky was a bit of a stretch there, having that Vanderbilt scare yeah. there uh, just a couple of days later. So I don't think that's much of a option. Uh, and then Auburn, I think you know that's a tough environment and a very tough team. So I think that would definitely be a pretty impossible task as well. Yeah, no, I certainly uh, I agree with that. I think the thing with Arkansas is. As much as they're struggling right now, which they certainly are, they've lost five straight games, got killed against Tennessee two weeks ago, was getting killed against Florida last night, actually showed a little bit of fight to come back and lose by five. But I think the thing to watch there is with Isaiah Joe, the second-leading scorer for Arkansas, 16 points a game. He's a guy that's missed the last month, starting to sound like, you know, it's funny, I was reading a, a tweet last night from an Arkansas beat writer that was saying that it's like Isaiah Joe, chance he can go Saturday against Missouri more likely return for Tennessee against on Tuesday. So kind of so unlucky there for Tennessee that chose to possibly come back against them. But I think he's a guy that changes their team, but makes that a harder game, certainly. But that still one Tennessee going to win. 
it's a, it's a team that Tennessee just matches up well against. We talked a minute ago about their post-scoring. Arkansas is the smallest team in the league. They foul the most in the league. You know, Rick Barnes talked about it last night. All the, his, his big thing offensively is good teams against the free throw line. And that's something I think Tennessee's going to be able to do, even on the road where you're not going to get as many whistles against Arkansas. It'll be interesting to watch down the stretch. You know, I think that South Carolina one was the, really the one they needed to have to, to get to 18 regular season wins and have a fighting chance in the SEC tournament. But still five games to be played, a lot of opportunities to be had. I mean, they're challenging opportunities, but opportunities indeed. Now, switching it over a little bit to the, to the Lady Vols side, we talked about it last week. They'd lost two straight, two really tough teams, best team in the country in South Carolina, good Mississippi State team, no need to hit the panic button. Two more tough games we knew this week. Vols go 0-2 in them. Lady Vols go 0-2 in them with losses to LSU, 65-75 on the road, and then dropping a heartbreaker Sunday against Texas A&M, 73-71. What did you see against LSU and then to a good Aggies team? You know, I, I think this is starting to show the Lady Vols' lack of depth. Uh, you, you know, previewing them, they, they have 12 people on their team. Uh that's below even the scholarship limit. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a very young team. It's a, you know, it's obviously a rebuilding here with Kelly Harper in her first year. Uh, I think, you know, it's just they've just kind of had bad stretch of luck here. Uh, you know, Renai was out for a game. Came yeah. Was slow coming back the next game. Uh, so I think, you know, obviously dropping out of the top twenty-five for the first time this season. Uh, you know, they just got to keep going. Uh, try and bounce back from this, I think they still have some a good chance to, to do really well in the SC tournament yeah. and then to make some noise in, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it was kind of ironic. You look at the A&M game and you kind of look at the – you start looking at the box score and it, it was kind of similar to the South Carolina game for the guys the day before. It was the turnovers and the missed free throws that really hurt Tennessee. 16 turnovers, then they shot a, just a horrible 6 of 16 at the free throw line, which – Obviously, that's just awful, and then you combine that with A&M shooting 28 at 33 at the free throw line. I mean, that's the, that's the difference in the game right there. I mean, you look at the stats, Tennessee shot 47% from the field, shot 32% from three. Good shooting numbers, held A&M to 36% from the field, 36% from three. You know, you got to be happy with that, but A&M's ability to get to the free throw line and convert while Tennessee was, you know, 16 free throws, saw an amount, certainly not as much as A&M got, but only hitting six. I mean, that's that's pretty, pretty crucial crucial mistakes there. And I think we, another thing you saw this week is LSU game, which they were, you know, they were competitive. They were in it going into the fourth quarter before they kind of LSU ran away with it. But just we've talked about it all year. Who can help Renaya Davis out? Can they find other options? And then that game, Tennessee got 19 from Renaya Davis. No one else got double digits. You know, Lou Brown had nine. Tamara Key had nine, but. Not a whole lot of help in that A&M game against a top 20 A&M team. Tennessee was able to get 18 from Renia Davis, but 19 from, from Ray Burrell. Finding a way to get other people involved offensively is just going to go a long way, I feel like, with this team. As you noted, they're still safely in the NCAA tournament. They're, they have, where the guys team has no room for error, the Lady Vols have some room for error. They've worked, they built that up by starting strong, taking care of some weaker competition to start SEC play. Tough game Thursday at a good Arkansas team. Another one that's kind of two teams in that top half of the league. And then you end, you end the regular season with Vanderbilt at home. You know, Vanderbilt's all right, but a game at home you'd expect them to take care of 
Ole Miss at home, who's the worst team in the league, and Auburn on the road, who's the second worst team in the league. So some opportunities to kind of rebound, get the momentum rolling before they head to Greenville on March 4th to open up the SEC tournament. Finally, to close out the, the podcast today, we got our first look at the Tennessee baseball team this weekend, sweeping Western Illinois, and then once again yesterday, picking up a midweek win, 8-2 over Charlotte. Some faces we didn't get to see. Garrett Crochet doesn't throw. Camden Sewell doesn't throw. Will Heflin, not a surprise, doesn't throw. But what were your overall takeaways, I guess, from these first four games? Uh, I think they looked really good. Uh, the hitting was definitely uh, huge. That They had, uh, seemed to you know, you know, hit the ball really well all throughout the lineup. Uh, saw a lot of depth. Uh, in the Sunday game, they had 23 different players play. Yeah. Uh, Pitching is definitely looking strong. Uh, you know, Chad Dallas uh, was the opening day starter in, uh, in place of uh, Crochet, uh, filling really well. Uh, you know, uh, but it seems like definitely on the pitching staff, there's a lot of young guys or and a lot of first-time guys. All three starting pitchers. Uh, it was their first start for Tennessee, uh, and two of those were, were junior college. So you got yeah. that. Uh, you know, older mentality, but still, you know, a lot of new faces. Uh, I think, you know, T- Tony Vitello has the team continuing on the rebuild. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You look at the pitchers, and you know when Crochet comes back, he's going to get that Friday spot, and Chase Wallace is pretty cemented into that Saturday spot, but I think that Sunday spot, they're still not really sure exactly what they want to do with that, who's going to be that starter full-time. So you saw some some good things from the pitching you know, you're not sure if that's what you're going to be looking at all year. That's the pitching staff, but it's going to be the starters. I mean, those guys are certainly going to be contributing hev- heavily if they're not. But strong start from them. That's kind of been been the standard DMO from this program the past past two years with Frank Anderson as the pitching pitching coach. But the way they hit the ball, and you know, I don't want to. It's Western Illinois. It's Charlotte. It's not the end all be all. You know, Western Illinois last season ranked 245 out of 297 in Division One teams in ERA. So certainly not the best competition, but even last year when Tennessee wasn't playing the best competition, they were beating teams early in the season 4-0, 3-0, 5-2. They weren't putting up 20 runs on people and eight runs like they did against Charlotte. And, you know, one thing I thought was going to be interesting to watch before the year was these sophomores, you know, Max Ferguson, Jake Rucker, Connor Pavoloni. Trey Lipscomb, Austin Knight, guys that played a lot last season, what can they do in a second year? What can they do with a full offseason? And that sophomore class combined for three home runs as a freshman year, and here in the first four games they have combined for seven. Jake Rucker is absolutely mashing the ball, hitting 429, two homers, five RBIs. Connor Pavlovich, I mean, the Tennessee catcher spot last year, I don't mean this to sound disrespectful because there's a lot of things that go into being a good catcher besides just your ability to hit, but, I mean, they were a liability at the plate last year. And as you see play, Pavloni and Landon Gray, the two catchers combined, I think, to hit 190. You know, it was almost an automatic out when those guys were up. Pavloni hits 333, hits a homer. And then Landon Gray, who's a guy, junior college transfer a year ago, you know, you saw some of the potential of Pavloni as a freshman Landon Gray, a guy you, you didn't see as much potential at the plate. He go, you know, he just has one start so far, but he's hitting 400. It's really top to bottom. They've been significantly better in the lineup. That was so much of what it was for them last year. Is they had a good middle lineup with Andre Lipsius, who's in the MLB now or MLB farm system. Al Solari, 
the All-American, Evan Russell. Good guys in the middle of that lineup, but there was no consistency. Top to bottom so far, they've been very strong. Like you noted on, a lot of depth, a lot of different guys getting at bats and look and looking good. And definitely a very, very strong start of the season. Now it gets a lot more difficult this weekend when they travel to Texas. One other guy I would I want to touch on, I feel be remiss not to talk about him, is Zach Daniels. He's, you know, junior season, he's always looked like a million bucks getting off the bus, you know, just a great athlete, great looking player, can absolutely crush the ball. Going into the season, I had to, I looked into it at the stats a little bit. 33% of his or 33% of his hits had been home runs in his career and 49% of his at-bats had been strikeouts. So you've seen the problem. He couldn't lay off a breaking ball. He wasn't a complete hitter. And again, you don't want to buy too, too much in just against bad teams, but he's been absolutely excellent. Four, hitting 462, he's popped that power with two home runs, two doubles, but he's walked three times, stroking, only struck out twice. This looks like a completely different batter at the plate. And, you know, he's not going to keep up numbers that, that high, but he wasn't against even a midweek game last year. He struggled to lay off breaking balls. Certainly a very good sign for a guy that's potential. It's just absolutely through the roof. So this weekend they travel to Texas. They get number five Texas Tech, Houston, and number 25 Stanford. What do you you think, one, do you think Garrett Crochet pitches on Friday? Two, what do you expect from the team? What will be a successful weekend? I don't expect Crochet to pitch. Uh, when Vitello said that uh, Crochet was out, uh, he said, he specifically said he's not going to rush him. He said, I might even bring him back too late. I, I don't want to uh, push it. You know, I know we have. And, yes, it's high-quality high competition. But in the long term, I think Vitello's more focused on SEC play. Uh, but I think the three I think the three games will, you know, pro- provide a great early litmus test yeah. uh, for the Vols. Uh, these are all, you know, really good programs. Uh, you know, I think this will be a great – for them to see how they stack up against. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think what would with with Crochet, I don't think they're going to pitch him. And you know, I think what would be interesting would have been if this weekend was next weekend or the week after, is if they would have pitched Crochet. Because now you know you get past this weekend, the rest of the non-conference slate's pretty weak. They can get by it without Crochet. You know, I think like you you were noting with Vitello talking about it, he was saying we're probably going to be more conservative than people want. He even Garrett wants. So. I think all the concern will be just getting him back for SEC play, prepared to go. And, you know, an early litmus test, certainly for the team as a whole, and I really think for the offense is going to be the big question. Can they continue this with the amount of pitching Tennessee has out right now? Crochet out, Jackson Leaf, or not Jackson Leaf, one of the junior college transfers out, Will Heflin out until conference play. Camden Sewell, he hasn't been ruled out, but he didn't throw this weekend. He dealt with back problems in the offseason. You wonder if he's going to throw – the pitching is not going to be at the standard that it's it's been last year, and they really expect it to be this year when they get everybody healthy. So can the offense against good competition, you know, be able to put up five, six runs, give them good chances to win against against really good competition? I think it's going to be really interesting to see for a very very young group, but should be very interesting. Number you know top five matchup against Texas Tech, Houston not in the top twenty five, but a consistent good program. Um, and then number 25, Stanford. A lot of guys with Tennessee, Frank Anderson, and Tony Vitello's recruiting ties. A lot of Texas guys on this roster as they head to 
round rock. It should be interesting to watch how some of them play. You know, a guy we talked about, Alex Solari, doesn't have a hit yet this season. He's has driven in two. He's walked three times. But All-American, I'd expect a a breakout a weekend from him. He's a guy from Houston, went to junior college out of high school, didn't get recruited by Houston, didn't get recruited by Texas Tech. He's obviously but been a budding star in Knoxville in his two years. So I'd expect a breakout weekend for him. And it'll be interesting to watch watch a lineup that – you know, used used about 14 starters in the first four games, and almost all 14 have hit the ball pretty well. So it'll be interesting to see how Vitello kind of thinks his guys stack up early, what he decides to go with with the lineups. But it'll certainly be interesting to watch. We'll have coverage of that as well as Tennessee's weekend bout at Auburn and complete Lady Vols coverage this week against Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week.